0: By the way, I'm constantly amazed that uh, there are always folks that kind of wonder, now, is she, like, related? (laughs) Yes, indeed. This is my daughter, Rebecca. Becca. She is our youth director. And uh, we have three daughters. The other thing that's funny is uh, people often think, um, often say, well, Becca is the youngest, right? (laughs) Is Is Becca the youngest? Is Becca the oldest? Yeah. I'm not going to go there. Are you kidding? <laughs> That's you, You'll have to find that out. So um, this morning we start something really new and really exciting. This is not only a new series, but it is a new initiative um, called Vital Congregations. And um, there are, um, this is the logo for the, for the Vital Congregations. What do you see in this uh, logo that reminds you of something else in the room? Right, so we've had this word vitality up on our wall since last fall. And we've been, um, we had a series on vitality in the fall, kind of pr- preparing the way And uh, what you may not know is that our congregation has joined with a lot of other congregations all over the country in an initiative called the Vital Congregations Initiative. And today is our first Sunday in that initiative. It's really a two-year Um, process that we'll tell you more about as we go along. But it begins with a seven-week series that's going to take us through the season of Lent as Pastor Dan and I are preaching. There's also small groups that are meeting during Lent. I think we still have room in some of the small groups. Am I right, Dan, if people still want to sign up for those small groups? Yep. So if you're interested in being in a small group that's going to be looking um at the seven marks of vitality throughout the uh, the weeks of lent uh, let us know um by marking that on your on your on your bulletin uh, insert card and we'll we'll get you connected with the group but there are there are seven marks of vitality that have been identified in this in this initiative that I want to mention this morning, and then I want to uh, tell you a little bit about the other churches that are involved in that. But the seven marks starting with today are number one, lifelong discipleship formation. We're going to talk more about that today. Number two, intentional authentic evangelism. This This is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, not just acts of kindness, but actually daring to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ That's a mark of vitality in a church. Number three, outward incarnational focus. This is the process of learning to focus beyond our own walls into our neighborhood and taking the light of Jesus Christ into our community. That's a mark of vitality in a church. Number four, empower servant leadership. This is not just hiring the best pastor or burning out your good volunteers. but This is supporting the use of spiritual gifts for all the people who serve, not just monopolized uh, smaller groups of power in the church, but everyone exercising their spiritual gifts by empower spirit servant leadership, and that's a mark of vitality in the church. The fifth is spirit-inspired worship. Remembering that worship is about God, not about us. We get to come on holy ground. We get to encounter God and experience wonder as we celebrate God together. That's a mark of a vital congregation. The sixth mark, caring relationships. Instead of a closed uh, judgmental community maybe, but rather people finding freedom to share their stories, encounter the Savior and ask for help in in a community that's safe to do that. That's a mark of vitality in a church. Then finally, what's called ecclesial health. Ecclesial is basically a word that means just in the church. Church health. Understanding why we're a church community. Understanding how we're a church community in practice. And prayer permeating all of that. Nurturing and supporting the health of everyone in the church, including those in leadership. So, seven marks of vitality that we're going to be looking at one by one as we go along. You're going to be hearing more about these in the next year and even into next year a bit. And this is one of those opportunities we have as a church to be in connection not only with each other but also with other congregations. And as a way of illustrating that, I want to show you the opening video that was just uh, shown this last Thursday night at our presbytery meeting. Our presbytery is when all the church leaders kind of come together. We do that from time to time. We had a meeting this last Thursday and if we have that video ready to play, I'd like to show you um, the beginning of the process for all these different churches. So let's watch. These are the churches in our presbytery shown and they'll be named here. So that just gives you a little bit of a flavor of what's maybe going on in some of the other congregations around our presbytery, and already the marks of vitality that are, that are really being appreciated and noticed as we even begin. As it was really fun for me to be able to uh, share some pictures and actually have them show up in the video the way they did. Um, I'm hopefully not in a bad way, but a good way, proud of what's going on here at Mountain View. So um, that was was really exciting for me. So our first mark of vitality is uh, one of the petals of that flower. The first one is lifelong discipleship formation. And uh, I'd like us to talk about that this morning in in view of the Scripture passage that we've heard from the Gospel of Luke this morning, Luke chapter 8. <clears throat> in my life, I've had the privilege of knowing some extraordinary people, people who have made a difference in our world, uh, and one of them was a very tall, quiet man who attended the church we served in Seattle, Bethany Community. His name was Max, Max German. He was the director of the School of Education at Seattle Pacific University and he was a veritable math and statistics wizard. But around Bethany, this this gentle giant of a man was, was kind of famous, not for his honored position at SPU or not for his prestigious PhD in mathematics from Stanford University but because of a comment that he made one time. It was a comment that illustrates, I think, that he understood the truth Jesus was getting at in the parable that we heard this morning. You see, someone And that someone I think was our pastor. Someone said something to Max one day about his vast intelligence and how this someone felt kind of dumb in his presence. Max's response was: he said, John, we're all dumb, just in different areas. I think I heard that saying probably 150 times (laughs) from my, my boss, John McCullough. We're all dumb. We're just dumb in different areas. In verse 10 of our text, Jesus quotes a form of an odd saying from Isaiah. It's a saying that scholars have puzzled over for hundreds of years. It's this. Looking they may not perceive... And listening, they may not understand. So the context of this saying is the question the disciples had just asked. The, the disciples just asked about what did the parable mean about the seeds and the soil? And Jesus said something about the fact that they'd understand the parable. But clearly they didn't, (laughs) because they had to ask, what does it mean? How do you feel when someone tells a story, and everyone seems to get it except you? You feel kind of stupid, kind of dumb? As the youngest child in a big family, <clears throat> this was often the case for me. People would talk about things, and I had no idea what they were talking about. And I learned to act like I got it, even when I didn't. Just kind of nod, you know, oh yeah, 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 I get it. Do you do that? <laughs> well, y- y- this kind of thing, I think, can develop in us to be kind of a complex when we're, uh, where we kind of learn to pretend that we understand when we don't. Perhaps even to the point that we become resistant to new ideas. Maybe even to the point that we close our ears and our eyes till we cannot see nor hear It seems that it's important to understand what's going on and the meaning of a story, the interpretation of a parable. And yet, Jesus seems to say here that most people won't really understand his parables. Hmm. Why? Well, According to this Isaiah 6 quote, it's because they can't see nor hear, even though there's nothing physically wrong with them. And Jesus goes on to explain and tells them that the story about the seeds in the soil is about people who have access to the Word of God, but don't get it. He says that the seed is the Word of God. But some of that seed falls on hard ground, the path, the road, and never even gets a start. Jesus says, these are those who never believed at all. Some of it fell on the gravel, and it sprouted quickly and then withered because it wasn't rooted. And Jesus says, well, these are those who... Heard the word with enthusiasm that was only skin deep, and so as fads do, it faded in comparison with other concerns and other fads. And the seeds in the weeds, those who hear, but then the cares of life, money issues or a a love of entertainment... Other things become more important, and so the seeds don't grow. And then there's the seed that falls on the good earth. These are the folks who hear God's word like all the others, but there's something different about their good hearts. They grab onto God's word, they don't let go until there's a harvest. Until there's a good result. These are the ones who Jesus describes in verse 18 paying attention to how you listen. That could be the title of this sermon paying attention to how you listen. I love the way that Fred Craddock describes these folks. Like to read to you a quote from him Those who lean forward to hear who invest trust and commitment who come to the altar of the word seeking asking and hungering these are the ones to whom more will be given Those who think they already know, who acknowledge no blindness, who listen with ears and register only likes and dislikes, who fold the arms across the chest waiting to be convinced or entertained, who want information without obligation, these are the ones who discover painfully that even what they thought they had was taken away. Pay attention, Jesus says. Pay attention to how you listen. So our first mark of vitality is lifelong discipleship formation. Lifelong, never-ending discipleship, being a student formation, letting your studies change you. Lifelong Discipleship formation. This, friends, is one of the key pieces of that, realizing that we all have so much to learn. We need what God says right here in his word. We need this. None of us have it all figured out. As Dr. Max used to say, we're all dumb, just in different areas. And God's wisdom is so far above ours. We need a lifetime of learning and being formed. This is a good place to begin in this new initiative. Coming, our, committing ourselves to being lifelong learners of God's word. Amen? So speaking of committing, I'd like to do something a little different in closing today, that this is not something we normally do here because we're not a very liturgical church. Um, but I'd like us to commit ourselves to these seven great marks of vitality I've been talking about this morning, including this first one. And I'd like us to like, begin like this. Using the seven marks of vital congregations, I'm going to ask you to commit with me to this initiative really being commissioned into revitalizing our service to God through the opportunities that are going to be offered us in these next seven weeks and during the process as we we become more and more a part of the Vital Congregations Initiative. I'm going to ask you seven questions. And at the end of each question, if you feel like you can commit to that, I'd like you to answer with these words. We will with God's help. Let's practice that. We will with God's help. Okay, you ready for the seven questions? I want you to be honest. If you don't feel like you can be honest, just be silent. But if you feel like you can commit to this, then answer with, we will, with God's help. Here we go. Will you seek to embrace the love of God, nurture the compassion of Christ within you, and be changed by the Holy Spirit through lifelong discipleship formation? Will you share the hope that is within you through intentional, authentic evangelism? Will Will you offer the grace of God to others through outward incarnational focus? will. Will you love and serve one another through empowering servant leadership? Will you proclaim and celebrate the good news of God's love through spirit-filled worship? Will you extend the love of God and the compassion of Jesus to all through caring relationships? And will you work carefully with others to build up the body of Christ in its ecclesial health? Let's pray. God, you are the one who empowers all of this. And by your grace, you're you're calling us into a new day of being your servant people and into new ways of following and living the living Christ. I pray that you would grant us open hearts and minds as we discern your direction, that you would guide us, Lord, in the ways of wisdom. Along the pathways of love and justice, that you would bind us together as companions, trusting and relying on one another as we embrace your Spirit, discern your will, and act in God's love. That you would, Lord, uplift us into joy as we employ the gifts of the Spirit and experience your presence, your compassion, your inspiration embracing your love in us and in those around us that we may love and serve you through loving and serving our neighbors. I pray that you would fulfill our lives as we bless you, O God, through the power of your spirit and the love of the risen Christ and all of God's people together said, Amen. Amen. May God bless